Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Believe in the Jaguars right here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your co-host, Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. Thank you so much for joining us on this short week because the Jaguars are playing the Miami Dolphins on Thursday night football. So, of course, I am joined by my co-host, James Johnson, the managing editor of the Jaguars Wire over on USA Today. Jay, uh, we had a really awesome guest come on the show and excited to let the listeners hear it. Yeah, man, it's it's like I was telling you, it's crazy to see the connections that we made when we were amateurs still paying off and being useful now. Um, As you know, me and you and Eric and Gage, like, you know, while we all doing separate stuff, uh, you know, me and you and Eric have managed to stay in the journalism realm and those relationships come back up eventually. And Cat had reached out to me who we're going to play the interview in a little bit. He reached out to me. I think it was last month to ask me if I wanted to be on. And um, I said, of course, and I, it, I forgot about it because we've been doing so much and we've been through so much over the time. And then uh, it hit me this week. I was like, Cat reached out to me. He wanted me to come on his podcast. So I was like, well, why not return the favor? Get him on our podcast. Uh, so we got to talk some Jags and Dolphins for primetime football. But um, in terms of how I'm doing, I'm good. I can't complain, man. And I'm really for uh, really excited for the people to hear uh, the content that we got with Cat. Yeah, absolutely, guys. So we're going to get to that conversation here in just a moment. Before we transition into that, though, just want to make sure to remind you, if you are enjoying the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave that five-star review. It is absolutely one of the best ways you can support us along with subscribing on all of your favorite directories, which of course includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. We can always be found at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. You can tweet the show at Believe in Jags Pod. You can find myself at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O, and Jay is over at SportsGrind underscore Don. So let's get into the conversation with Kat from On the Finside Podcast here. Really quick though, guys, I just want to remind you that the wait is over. Football is back, and while we may not be at the games this year, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Jay, I was looking at some of these prop bets that were really, really interesting from week two. So this past week, the over-under on missed field goals was 13 and a half. Uh, total sacks allowed by the Eagles in week two. So, like, I'm not really familiar, you know, with the scoring and how that works in terms of betting, but some of these prop bets are actually kind of interesting. So, you know, from game spreads and totals to teams, players, and coaching props. Bet online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It literally never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. But without further ado, let's get into it with Kat from On the Finside Podcast. All right, guys, we are going to go behind enemy lines with the Miami Dolphins, with Kat from On the Fin Side Podcast. We are super excited to have him. Uh, Kat, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing good, guys. How are you? Hey, we're hanging in there this this uh, early football season. We're <laughs> re- reeling off of you know everybody, all those injuries and stuff. We just hope that everybody can continue to stay healthy after 
after week two. So it was it was really rough, man. But uh, Jay, I know you guys go way back. Why don't you go ahead and get into the uh, the first question here? But yeah, man, you're right. We go way back to the Inside Edge Sports days where we oh, yeah. had on um, our podcast back in the blog talk radio days. That's ancient right now, actually. You probably don't even know what BTS is anymore. Uh, but yeah, feel free to follow him at Brian Cat NFL if you would like. And at on the Finn side is where you can find the podcast. That is F I N S I D E. And yeah, we're just going to talk some um, Jags and. Uh, Miami Dolphins as the game is coming up primetime game and the first question cat that I have on um, that I have compiled here I wanted to know your thoughts personally on the Miami Dolphins offseason because um, me and Phil didn't really get to follow their offseason like that and specifically uh, we want to know what do you think of uh, the Dolphins and what were their primary goals uh, heading into this season in terms of the front office and what they wanted to achieve and what big time free agents were they able to add in the process? Yeah, they really cleared out space in 2019 to be able to bring in a lot of free agents and a lot of draft picks. Uh, And it really isn't that much dissimilar to what the Jaguars were doing here at the beginning of 2020. Um, When you look at, at who they brought in, on the defensive side of the ball, they they shelved out a lot of money to, for defensive end Shaq Lawson and Emmanuel Agba, um, who have not played well in the first two games. A lot of that has to do with kind of the read and react of, of the Bills and Patriots offenses and what they require. Um, they also signed Kyle Van Noy, who's been okay. Byron Jones was the Dolphins' big signing. You know, five years, $82 million to play opposite Xavier Howard. The unfortunate thing is Byron Jones is probably not going to play in this game against the Jaguars, and Xavier Howard has been on a pitch count because uh, he had an offseason injury. So, you know, it, it's a rough, it's been a rough start to this defense, as evidenced by, you know, the, the first two games, Cam Newton and Josh Allen have a combined quarterback rating of 131. Uh, they're allowing over five yards of carry. So it's been ugly on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, they returned a lot of pieces. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick had a great end to the 2019 season. They, Devontae Parker, Mike Gesicki, Preston Williams all returned. That, that's a good receiving core. On the offensive line, they've got five new starters, which you rarely see in the NFL these days. Um, they draft uh, – Austin Jackson at left tackle, who's played pretty well. And in the interior, Eric Flowers, Ted Karras, and Solomon uh, Kindley uh, are, are on the offensive line so that they got bigger on the offensive line. Everybody's 325 pounds or more to pound away. And that offensive lines look pretty good right now. But the main problem with the team after two games, the Dolphins are 0-2. Defensively, they're certainly not all on the same page, at least yet. Yeah, you mentioned a name that I'm very familiar with, Solomon Kindley from uh, UGA. I'm a Georgia fan, so um, I know very, okay. very much about him. And actually, he's from the Jacksonville area. Now that I think about it, I was hoping the Jets would have drafted him. And, uh, yeah, I did see some cut-ups of him. You know, he was kind of paving some lanes in those first couple games. So uh, that that's interesting to find out. And, yeah, as you uh, did allude to also the uh, big names that I do remember, now that you said it, was Byron Jones as well, who is, you know, dealing with an injury currently uh, that could play into the game. A great deal uh, when considering how many she likes to sling the ball around. Um, I guess time will tell. But, yeah, yeah, when you described all of that, it did feel a lot like kind of like what the Jazz did this offseason 
And uh, yeah, it'll inter it'll be interested to see all of that stuff coming to fruition on Thursday's game. So I'm gonna pass the next question off to my man Phil. Yeah, Kat. So you know we've already talked about it here. There are a lot of similarities between these teams in terms of just trying to get some footing and figure out kind of who they are in terms of their identity. So Miami, of course, had a really interesting draft class, and you've already talked about a couple of those guys here. So who from that group in terms of the draft class has really stood out in camp leading into the season? So they had three first-round picks, obviously, uh, two uh, at number five overall. In the middle of the first round, they take Austin Jackson, the left tackle, who is very raw coming out. Um, and he's looked very good, and he's looked very good in the first two games as far as pass protection. So that that seems to be a very good pick. Then after that, they drafted Noah Igbenogany uh, at the end of the first round at cornerback, and he was lit up like a Christmas tree last week uh, against Stefan Diggs. Um, so the interesting thing is with those those first round picks, you've got a quarterback in Tua, so you're going to expect rookie mistakes whenever he gets on the field. And then the other two guys, Jackson and Igbenogany, are they're only 20 years old when they're drafted. So there, there was expected to be a learning curve with them. Jackson's come along a lot more quickly than, than Igbenogany. And then in the second round, Robert Hunt and uh, Raekwon Davis, not, not huge impact from either one of them. And then in the third round, they get Brandon Jones, who's uh, playing a lot of snaps as the third safety. And um, like James was saying, Solomon Kindley in the fourth round has been a major find after two games. So you know that that's somebody we're very impressed with. And the Dolphins have not had a lot of luck at the guard spot over the last 20 years. So hopefully this this changes the trend. Right. Well, offensive line struggles is something that's uh, a common factor around here. We're, so we're, we're definitely both hoping uh, that those things can be uh, shored up for sure. So, Jay, you want to go ahead and get into the next question? Yeah, and this is a question that's probably on everybody's mind, especially when considering this is a primetime game. Uh, how has Ryan Fitzpatrick looked, in your opinion, in the uh, first two games that the Dolphins have had? And also, how long can he hold off Tua before he is inserted into the game? Because I have seen some articles uh, my friend uh, or my comrade Kyle Krabs with the Dolphins Wire actually kind of talked about this this week. And, you know, he made a case to keep him on the bench. And I'm talking about Tua here and a case to start him. You know, both have have basically the pros and the cons to weigh with it. What is your take on that? Yeah, Kyle does a great job for the Lockdown Network. I, I like his show a lot. Um, me personally, I'm not too picky about when Tua actually gets in um, as long as it's under – two conditions. Number one, the offensive line cannot be terrible. And it looks like it's not after two games, much to our surprise. Hopefully that, that keeps up. They'll be tested by the Jaguars this week. And number two, once you put two in, you do not take him out. Um, there can't be this going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth because you, the quarterback then just starts to look over his shoulder and that's not really good for anyone. So, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he, he, his first two games have been like his whole career. One was great and one was not great. So the first game against the Patriots, he threw three picks. One of them was horrendous. One of them was kind of his fault. And one of them was not his fault at all because Preston Williams fell down. Uh, then this past week, you know, uh, he goes heads up against Josh Allen in a 31-28 shootout. He throws for 320 yards, two touchdowns, should have been three touchdowns. Um, and so. You know, if he keeps that up against the Jaguars here, I think you can expect for Fitzpatrick to start for the Dolphins for this foreseeable future. But 
you know, if, if he starts with one of those two or three interception first halves against the Jaguars, it wouldn't shock me if Tua came out in the second half and, and was starting it. Interesting. Interesting. Me and Phil have seen our share of Tua uh, here in the South. Uh, they play a lot of SEC football on TV, obviously. And every time you look up Alabama is on CBS or whatever the case may be uh, as one of the first games you see. So, yeah, he's an interesting figure down here to the South. And I mean, just Florida in general, albeit, you know, he went to Alabama and he's not from this state, but he's a guy that we've been watching. And I agree with the back and forth thing. Uh, you don't want to do that because me and Phil can speak on this. We saw it with Gardner Minshew. Luckily, it didn't harm him in any way, but it can. It can't. And um, that being said, you know, I don't think anybody agreed with the Jacksonville Jaguars pulling Minshew out week 10, albeit he was coming off a game where he struggled against the Eagles in London. It's like, you know, he's a rookie. He's going to take his lumps, uh, you know, let him learn from that and let him, you know, continue to uh, start from that point on or whatever the case may be to kind of serve as a teaching lesson. Uh, but you know, they put in folds for like three games or so, and eventually Minshew got back in. But I do not want to see a similar situation for Tua. I agree with you there. So um, I'm going to let Phil take the next question. Yeah, so moving on to this Thursday's matchup, you know, from your side of things, who are some under-the-radar, maybe X-Factor players to look out for that maybe we wouldn't be too familiar with? But also, what concerns you from the Jaguar side of things as far as, you know, what they have gone going on over here? At running back, I think a lot of people expected Jordan Howard to be the bell cow for the Dolphins. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case. He may start the game, but he's only had, I don't even think he's had 15 carries on the season yet. Very poor yards per carry average. Uh, really, the guy that's taken over in the backfield has been Miles Gaskin, who is uh, a second-year player out of Washington. And I expect that to continue. He had a great offseason on the season. He has 16 carries for 86 yards or over five yards a carry. He breaks a lot more tackles than you think he does. He's a he's a lot better blocker than people think he is. And he's also very present in the passing game, too. He's caught 10 passes on the year already, which is a big deal in Chan Gailey's offense. So I think you you should expect to see a lot more Matt Breida and Miles Gaskin with Gaskin getting more of the carries. Uh, to answer your second question there with the Jaguars, you know, I was a huge fan of Josh Allen out of Kentucky uh, in last year's draft. I know he had double digit sacks for you guys last year. Um, and, and he should be going up against Austin, Austin Jackson at left tackle, which is going to be a, an intriguing matchup. Um, where, what's your guys take on their pass rush uh, here with Josh Allen and with Caleb on chase on being drafted in the first round this year? So we actually talked about this just yesterday, uh, Jay and I did, and we're we're a little concerned. I think two sacks through two games. Josh Allen's definitely being more focused on, of course, with you know Unique gone, and then of course Calais Campbell. And Jay made a really good point. I feel uh, we feel like if they knew that the Ngakwe situation was not going to be fixable, they probably hang on to Calais Campbell. Now, that being said, there's nothing we can do about it now. Uh, but teams are definitely, you know, focusing in on Josh Allen now that he's, you know, the primary guy. You bet. Yeah, and I'll add this too, uh, that that matchup that you just mentioned between Allen and Austin Jackson is one I highlighted. I actually wrote about it in the uh, USA Today Sports Weekly paper because I was thinking the same thing. And as you said earlier in the podcast, Austin Jackson, I studied him well. He is raw. 
And one thing I mentioned to Phil yesterday was the fact that uh, last time Josh Allen, albeit it was in a preseason game, last time he saw this defensive line or offensive line, uh, he had a breakout game and he put his name on the map again. It was a preseason game, but he did see time against some starters there. And people were really like, this kid is going to be something when the regular season rolls around. And one thing of note that I did mention to Phil was the fact that that line, if I can recall, was more experienced than the line they have now because they have two rookies on it, essentially, which you've already alluded to. So that matchup is going to be one to watch. And I think like for Austin Jackson, it'll be a good barometer or kind of a good gauge uh, to see, you know, where he can be by the end of the season and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I got that one circled myself. Yeah, and it, it, it'll be fascinating because Austin, even though Austin Jackson's done well, uh, he hasn't really been tested by uh, a pure speed pass rusher like like Josh Allen is. You know, the first two games, the Bills and, and Patriots have have largely very good defenses, but not not a lot as far as as def- defensive ends firing off the edge, which which Allen can certainly do. And my second question too was, you know, it looks like based on what I've seen from the Jaguars, CJ Henderson's off to a pretty good start at that cornerback spot. And then after that, you know, it's, you've got guys like Trey Herndon and Josh Jones and Andrew Wingard and players like that in your secondary. How how do you feel about your secondary uh, here heading into game, game three? Uh, Yeah, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, I figured you were going to say that too, Phil. Uh, Yeah. I think, like you said, when you look at it, and it's coincidentally, uh, C.J. Henderson is a Miami native. Uh, so, like, it'll be an opportunity for him to show up against the team that he probably grew up watching. But, uh, yeah, there are concerns aside from people on that secondary not named C.J. Henderson, which is odd. We didn't think that would be the case heading into the year. I guess more so we thought, like, the inexperience would show up more than those who have been on the defense before. But, that's kind of not been the case. You see C.J. Henderson showing up, and he's been like you can argue that C.J. Henderson's having a rookie of the year type of campaign right now, but you know it's only two games into the season. You see Kalevon Chase on show up and get the sack in the last game, and it's actually those guys, the rookie classes, that you know when this defense has flashed, it's been because of them. Uh, that being said, that's not to take anything from Josh Allen. Again, I think he's going to show up eventually, and he'll find his groove. And I think a lot of what's been hurting Josh um, Allen is the fact that he basically has been keying in on the run a lot too these last few weeks. So he's a step, and Todd Wash said he's a step slow on the pass rush now that they've focused so heavily on the run. So uh, that being said, uh, what was your other question that you uh, added in there? Yeah, other than C.J. Henderson there, uh, you know, they're – one of the biggest Dolphins' strengths is their receiving cores, you know, assuming Parker is a little bit healthier for this game. You've got Parker, you've got Mike Kosicki, a tight end, who's basically a wide receiver, um, and Preston Williams. So C.J. Henderson is, is um, you know, I, I think whoever goes against him, that's a pretty decent matchup for the Jaguars. Um, you know, Trey Herndon um, and Josh Jones and Andrew Wingard and D.J. Hayden, you know, kind of where where's the – what what strengths or weaknesses do you see out of those guys? Yeah, with Trey Herndon, he's been a penalty machine. He's had a few penalties this I mean, and that's just kind of been the story of his career. So that's something that concerns me there. Um, and he hasn't looked all that great these first two weeks. Andrew Wingard was basically picked on all of Sunday, specifically by tight end uh John o. Smith, 
So, you know, when you see somebody like Gisecki having the success that he's having early in this, you know, this thing, uh, that concerns me because they they could definitely target him with Gisecki and they can make it a long night. I, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is a shootout. So, you know, he's struggling. And then Josh Jones is actually looking good, especially in run support. So I'm not really concerned about him or Henderson. Uh, and the last member of the secondary, of course, DJ Hayden, who I said is a top three nickel in, in football. But he's really struggled this year. He's really struggled. He can handle the crossers and this, that and the other. He's been a step slow. So he's a concern as well heading into this thing. Yeah, I could see it being a shootout, too. And that's that's, you know, when you look at the the Jaguars defense, at least from what I've seen in the last first two games, they did well against Derrick Henry and against Jonathan Taylor. I mean you know, that's, they, they easily could have got run over on, on that and they didn't. I mean, I think they're averaging like what 3.2 yards a carry or something and run defense to the opposing starting running backs this year already. But in the secondary, they're allowing 77% of their passes uh, in the first two games. So, but I say, I say that because the Dolphins secondary hasn't, or defense has been worse a, against the pass. So, you know, you've got, like I said, Cam Newton and Josh Allen, a quarterback rating of 131. I mean, they they haven't been able to stop anyone. And I don't see Byron Jones playing, and Xavier Howard is going to be playing, but he's not going to be healthy. So if there's that Nick Needham, Noah Igbenogany going up against DJ Chark and the rest of the Jaguars receivers, yeah, I, I could see this being a 30-27 to 27 type game. I agree. I agree. Um, I hope the Jags can slow them somehow. So I'm going to get into my last question because I know – uh, you you have limited time here, and we appreciate you once again. And my question is about Brian, uh, Brian Flores. I'm a big Brian Flores fan, uh, but, you know, so far, and we expected this, like there haven't been a lot of wins. So with him, in your opinion, you know, like how much time do you think is a fair timeline to give him to, you know, exactly fix this Miami Dolphins team? Because, again, me and Phil have seen rebuilds. We understand it's not an easy process. But we would like to know from a Miami Dolphins fan perspective, like uh, how y'all are feeling about the the timeline that he deserves to be given to turn everything around. Uh, I see him getting, regardless of how things go this year, I, I see him coming back in 2021. I expect the Dolphins to get better as the year goes along because they added so many pieces. Um, I think that they will. And when you look back at last year, I mean, People forget that the Dolphins were they, – they lost in the first four weeks. They were losing by an average of 30, 38 points a game. I mean, it was unbelievably bad. And then they – with that roster that was – I mean, where they're literally pulling players off the street and putting them into the starting lineup for that week. You know, you've got they, – they went five and four in their final nine games of last year, which was – nobody would have expected that. So he did a phenomenal job in year one and in year two, you know, it's been a weird off season, as you know, with everything going on and they've added so many pieces. He, he deserves time to piece this all together here. And then you've got Tua eventually coming in somewhere. So this is really year two of that rebuilding process here. Um, but the, the thing about it is it, at a certain point, you know, if, if they go, if they went five and 11 last year and they, they go five and 11 this year too, he's going to head into his third year and be like, okay, over two years, you only won 10 games. That's not good enough. And eventually players that aren't winning are going to have to start winning. So he's going to get a lot of time. Uh, you look at the last couple Dolphins coaches, you know, um, Adam Gaze, 
Joe Philbin, Tony Sperano all got four years. Uh, Steve Ross, our owner, I expect to give him at least four years unless things really get derailed along the way. And a lot of that's going to be tied to when Tua gets in and how he performs. Yeah, like Jay mentioned, we're really big fans of, of Brian Flores, and we're, we're definitely wishing him a lot of luck, especially with all the doubt and the naysayers, uh, especially you know going into last season, especially in the beginning of the year. Jay, did you have one more thing you wanted to add on? I, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, you're good. I was about to say, yeah, I mean, I agree with him. Um, when you look at their history, see, and I didn't know that about their history is that they hold on to their coaches. But then when you when you said it, I was like, yeah, they have, you know, given their guys a lot of time, which I mean, I I guess you could say that's good for Steven Ross because you need to be sure about these guys. And I think, you know, there is something there with Brian Flores. But again, like you said, the X factor is Tua when he gets in, how he responds to their coaching and so on and so forth. And uh yeah, I think time will tell on him, but I think you guys may be in good hands, but just got to be a little bit patient in terms of seeing the results, which, you know, that can be easier said than done. Yeah, it's been frustrating watching the Jaguars the first two games because the Jaguars have been doing the same, you know, we're rebuilding seemingly the same way the Dolphins were, and the Dolphins lost by 49 and 43 in the first two games last year, and the Jaguars beat the Colts, and then they lose by three in a shootout to the to the Titans, which are which is very impressive for the first two games. So it'll be interesting come draft time because both the Dolphins and the Jaguars have seven picks in the first four rounds of the draft this year because of of all the players that they've traded. So it, it looks like the Dolphins and Jaguars are going to be battling for position there um and and deciding when to trade up and trade down and which players to take. Yeah, well, it's definitely been a nice change of pace, especially for Jaguar fans. You know, we hope that the momentum continues. Um, but that's it for our questions here. Kat, thank you again so much. Remember, guys, you can find him on the Finside podcast, which before we wrap up, great name. Awesome name for a podcast. Really, really great. You can also find him at Brian Cat NFL. So one more time before we get out of here, Cat, let everybody know, you know, where else they can find your work. And again, thank you so much for joining us. And we hope that you and everybody else, you know, stays safe and healthy. You bet. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. And we're going to have James as well on uh, on our show here that we're going to record here in a bit. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, just all the social media outlets, uh, a lot of different platforms. And we talk about the Dolphins year round. Usually we have three shows a week. Um, one, a, a preview of the upcoming game with a um, with with somebody from the other sidelines, kind of like this. We have a recap of the game. And when Paul and I Paul's my co-host. We have our own in-depth Dolphins preview for for each one, too. So, yeah, give us a listen, and uh, thanks again for having me. Absolutely, Kat. Well, good luck this Thursday. Hope you'll have two luck, but definitely good luck the rest of the year. We appreciate you. So shout out one more time to Kat from On the Finside podcast for joining us. A lot of really great insight in there on the Miami Dolphins. And Jay, I know, you know, whenever we have these Thursday night games, it's always really exciting. I uh, wish that we could all, as as far as a fan base, head out there and, and enjoy it. But for those of you that are going, you know, of course, just be safe, follow the social distancing rules, wear your mask, all that stuff. Luckily, you guys aren't going to get fined like these coaches are, uh, but <laughs> we still, you still have a responsibility uh, to be safe. But yeah, Jay, I, I, that was awesome. I, we had a lot of really good, like, like I said, a lot of good insight on on the Dolphins over there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's always good to keep tabs on one of, you know, the other Florida teams, albeit typically we all suck. 
<laughs> but um, still, like you always, like I always in the back. And I don't want to hear it, Buccaneers fans. You guys aren't looking that impressive either. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but just the competitive nature, logistically and geographer, uh, in terms of geography, makes you want to know like who's the best team in Florida, even if they don't play each other. So like we actually get an opportunity to play the Dolphins. We don't play the Bucks this time, but. We get to see the Dolphins. I mean, unless we go to the playoffs and meet the Bucs in, uh, in the Super Bowl, which we all know that's a long shot. But, uh, yeah, man, it was interesting to find out about the Dolphins, who are a team that are – I mean, like, when you look at them, they are a lot in a lot of ways similar to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, now uh, you know, they could be on the upswing very soon, maybe next year. And, you know, we're kind of looking at it as uh, we are looking at the Jaguars right now. Yeah, 100%, you know, with all of the the young talent in here. And then, of course, the Jaguars were the talk of the town in terms of the new team that's tanking for Trevor. And then all of a sudden, oh, maybe that's not the case. You know, the Dolphins, of course, got off to that horrible start last year, but then finished really strong. A, a lot of credit, of course, as we just talked about, goes to Brian Flores. So, you know, um, we always keep, keep an eye on the in-state teams. And I was very polite enough not to bring up 62 to 7 in 1999. Uh, but, you know, I would never bring that up behind his back. Hopefully he doesn't hear this. Uh, but, but, yeah, before we get out of here, Jay, let's let's uh, put a prediction on this Thursday night football here. So how do you see this game playing out and, and ultimately who wins? I'm scared it's going to be – I'm confident the Jazz will win. I'm scared it's going to be a shootout like we mentioned. Um, because just how the defense is playing and so on and so forth. So that's my biggest concern. At the same time, I think what the Jacksonville Jaguars may can do is slow the game down and just run it through James Robinson uh, to avoid keeping that, you know, putting that defense on the field. But at the same time, I also like I got this gut feeling that Josh Allen is going to show up in that matchup that we mentioned against Austin Jackson. Uh, so if that's the case, they actually have a chance when on defense to slow Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, better than uh, the Dolphins will have a, a chance to slow the Jags on on their defensive side. So I think, you know, that that matchup will play into it. I think Calevon Chason probably shows up as well. And, you know, the defensive line has a better showing than we've seen in the uh, last two games, albeit, I'll say this, I don't know how much better it'll be, but I, I do think they'll have a more successful showing. And I'll go with a score along the lines of, we'll get the Jags. They scored 30 last game. So we'll say, let's say 37 to 28. You know, I'll do something like that. 37 to 28. Dang, okay. I, I thought my score was going to be high, but you went with the almost 40 burger for the Jags. Yeah, I, I definitely... Like you think this has the there is an opportunity here that this becomes a little bit of a shootout. But because I am more confident in the Jaguars offensive weapons, specifically at receiver and Gardner Minshew and Jay, this uh, I think this is something we mentioned on Monday where we're going to have to start having a conversation about Minshew possibly being the guy. I, I just got a I just got a Bleacher Report uh, notification that starts talking about what might happen at the top of the draft next year if the Jags are sold on Minshew, which if he continues to play this way, how could you not be? So I think, just like you said, between James Robinson and the receivers, and as Kat mentioned, the secondary being such a question mark for the Miami Dolphins, I think Gardner Minshew is going to eat this game. I think it's going to be high scoring, and I think it's going to be a little close early on, but I do expect them to uh, to pull away. I'm going to go with 34-24 here, a 10-point win for the Jags, which is it would be a really big deal. Um, 
you know, last year they played really, really well against the Titans on Thursday night football. Again, we've already talked about how that was kind of like the emergence of Minshew mania. I think they're going to want to show out and show people that, Hey, there's a youth movement. Say, Hey, there's a youth movement going on here in Jacksonville and it's led by Gardner Minshew. And that's why I think they're going to come out and, and try and really make a statement and they will be two and one, you know, after this game. And I, that's, a really good place to be heading into yet another matchup that I think they should be favored in. And, and that's against Cincinnati. So I'm going 34-24 Jags. I was looking up some QBRs. I just wanted to kind of see and mention that where his QBR is, because, you know, we have been mentioning that uh, he needs to be roughly a top 12 quarterback. And it feels like he's been that way the first two weeks. Well, while you're looking that up, Jay, I do want to mention, you know, you guys have probably seen uh, Fitzpatrick kind of took a little bit of a fun jab at Gardner Minshew in terms of beards over mustaches. Well, uh, Gardner Minshew has responded to uh, Fitzgerald. He said, I'm going to have respect for my elders, especially when they're much, much elder. So <laughs> I think it's <laughs> I think it's fun that those two guys are having a good time with this matchup, because I think I've mentioned this before on here Jay, on the podcast that Minshew has a little bit of Fitzpatrick in him in terms of you know, their uh, just their ability to find ways to win. Now, hopefully he doesn't have the Fitzpatrick tendencies to go out there and throw five interceptions. Luckily, we haven't seen that yet. But in terms of their personalities, they're very polarizing guys. And I think it's really cool that they're having fun like that in the media. Um, You know, I, I think there's a lot of mutual respect there for sure. Yeah, they are two of the more, you know, while people won't put them like on the top of their list in terms of, you know, performance and ability right now, they are two of the more interesting quarterbacks in football. Um, Again, man, like I never can forget the Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, the classic press conference he had where he jacked Deshaun Jackson's clothes and his chains and, and his shades and just went out there and had a, a press conference and just left Deshaun Jackson without some clothes or whatever the case may be. And then you got, you know, Minshew, who has a little bit of magic about him. And in terms of those statistics, I did find him on ESPN. Right now, Gardner is 13th in terms of QBR with a 77.4. As we all know, in the first week, it was over 100. And I think this week it was like 94. So uh, that kind of balances out as well. So, like, he's right there in terms of QBR, in terms of that figure that we were talking about. And, you know, if all goes well, you never know what the Jaguars, but hopefully if all goes well, he'll get that number up this week against the Miami Dolphins, who, uh, as you said, uh, and as we have said, are struggling a little bit. So, yeah, I can't wait to see that matchup. And they're already making it fun um, when you look at what Minshew and uh, Fitzpatrick have done so far on social media. Absolutely, guys. So with that, you know, we hope that Minshew continues to show improvements and uh, really just keep this team competitive because we've certainly seen that through two weeks. So before we got out of here, Jay, and wrap it up for the week, let everybody know what they have to look forward to in terms of the Jaguars wire, as well as this podcast. You know, since they do play on Thursday, we'll probably get another episode up. I would probably say either Friday or Saturday. So be on the lookout for that. But yeah, what does everybody else have to look forward to? Yeah, just more kind of articles to, again, it's a short week, so it's kind of hard to pump out the content like you want, but just more kind of articles looking at the uh, Miami Dolphins and what they got going on over there because, you know, like they're kind of uh, unknown and we'll be monitoring the Jags injuries. They don't have a lot on their injury report. It's like four players, but, you know, I guess you could say Brandon Linder will be one to watch. And, yeah, we'll just kind of have those kind of articles on Jags wire to prep you for the Miami Dolphins to kind of help people get to know the Miami Dolphins. And as you said, 
uh, yeah, like the short week can provide us with an opportunity to do a victory episode on like Thursday after the game, maybe or Friday or whatever the case may be and kind of get that out early. And uh, yeah, like that'll wrap our week up. We could just enjoy college football because the SEC is coming back and then we can um, enjoy the Sunday and Monday game after that because, you know, we got the early game. We'll be first on board, I guess you could say. Yeah, but we got the NBA playoffs in full swing right now. Like, man, it's it's great that to, it's, it's a great feeling to have sports back. Of course, you know, you, you hope that everybody continues to stay healthy. I know they postponed the Notre Dame game this weekend because Notre Dame had another outbreak. And you just hope that you don't see that with a lot of these other football conferences, you know, of course, on the college side of things about to start up. Luckily, everything has gone well so far on the COVID side of things for the NFL Injuries, of course, as we mentioned on Monday's episode, have been a different story. So the thing you hope most is that everybody on Thursday night comes out of this unscathed and and healthy and and all that stuff. So we'll, of course, be keeping an eye on that. Well, we want to get more content out there, too. So Jay and I have been, you know, messing around with doing a live show on Twitter after the games. If that's something you guys would be interested in, certainly let us know because you can tweet us at Believe in Jags Pod. You can find me at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. And Jay is over at Sports Grind underscore Don. Again, if you're enjoying the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts, rate and subscribe. We're also available on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And then we are always, of course, at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. So thank you guys so much for listening to Believe in the Jaguars right here on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.